Just saw a post on our Facebook page from Glenn. He's responding to the after hours game of the week. And he says the game is Bengals bills because the other games will be blowouts. Huh? If you have learned anything about the NFL playoffs and clearly you have not Glenn, uh, there's some teams that no matter how far down they are, uh, they can always come back, put Jacksonville in that category. They seem to, play better when there's less pressure. Now, I don't know if you'll see the Chiefs collapse the way that the Chargers did. It's not likely. Their makeup is different. But the Jacksonville Jaguars play better when they're down. So even if they do get down, you're going to see them start chucking the ball around like there's no tomorrow, which, of course, there would not be a tomorrow if they lost on Saturday. Also, blowout of the Eagles and the Giants? No way. I don't do predictions, but I would be floored if we saw a game like the one that they played going back, I guess it would be six weeks ago now, which, yes, was a blowout. That was when the Eagles were moving to 12-1. and one. The Giants were start, they're trying to find their footing, but they were. it was part of a losing skid in there for New York. The final was 48-22, to 22, and <laughs> I wrote this down. I actually went back and looked at my notes from that game because it, it was not that long ago. The very first scoring drive for the Eagles was 14 plays in eight minutes. (laughs) I mean, that's the type of thing that any team really can do to you these days. It feels like all these teams are equipped for that, and they do like to rely on the rush if they possibly can. Uh, Philadelphia also had one of its patented second quarters. We've seen that from them over and over this year in which they put up uh, a ton of points. The Giants are in a different headspace now. They're in a different space as a team, but they're also in a different headspace. And yes, they did lose to the Eagles in week 18. They didn't really play anyone, but you know what? The Eagles were a lot more conservative. We knew there was a real good chance these two teams were going to meet again in the divisional round should the Giants survive. It's a divisional game. It's a rematch of a rematch. Third time in six weeks. So when we talk about this game, and we'll do it coming up, In the next two hours, here on what is now a Football Friday, quickly morphing into a Football Friday in our final show of the week on After Hours. One of the reasons why we love these divisional matchups is because you have to throw everything else out the window. It just doesn't matter. It it might be history. You could call it trends. You could even say it's important to look at for, uh, for the purposes of analytics. But I say you put two teams together on a field where there's contempt and there's and there's just this <laughs> this despising of one another from the feet, from the team all the way up to the top of the stadium and anything can and will happen it's it's there's it's edgy it's it's intense it's contemptuous uh, I I just love all the elements now I wish a lot of times that we had the fresh blood I say that to you all the time I'd like to see different matchups but hey we're here this is what we've got so expect it to be everything that you love about the NFL and then some and I say tight I say you're talking about more like a Bengals-Ravens game. How many people thought the Bengals were going to blow out the Ravens without Lamar Jackson last weekend? And instead, it was razor-thin margin of error, and it turned out to be a fumble that led to a you know the longest go-ahead fourth-quarter touchdown in NFL playoff history. But don't tell me that the majority of you weren't surprised by the fact that the Ravens hung so tough, and that has to do with 
pride. It has to do with knowing your opponent. It has to do with all of those elements that play into a divisional game. And that certainly will be the case for Eagles Giants. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Again, we're not quite to that game yet, however. It's it's just, it jumped into my brain or popped into my brain when I read uh, Glenn's post about how all the other games will be blowouts. I don't think Dallas-San Francisco is going to be a blowout either. You may not have faith in the Cowboys offense, and I don't know why. We just saw them play one hell of a game on the road. You Maybe you discount Tampa Bay. Um, even their blowout against the Vikings. Maybe you discount the Vikings' D, and I guess now they discount their own D because they fired their defensive coordinator. But they have a defense that is going to pose a major problem for the Niners' offensive weapons. They lead the league in takeaways for the second straight year under Dan Quinn. Brock Purdy hasn't seen a defense like this yet. So I think this is, it's critical. These are all critical elements. Mostly because these are the best teams left in the league. You're far less likely to see blowouts. Do you guys remember divisional round last weekend? I mean, I'm sorry, last year, not last weekend. Last year, when all four games were still hanging in the balance until the very last seconds on the clock. Oh, it was so delicious. So delicious. What is your After Hours game of the week? We've got our poll up on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or my Twitter, which is A Law Radio. I don't know where. Uh, one, Twitter is such a weird word. I don't know where one listener got uh, his opinion about my pregame snack that it was burnt. Uh, it looked burnt to me, it was tasty not even remotely burnt and i'm i'm like allergic to burnt food i don't like burnt food anyway it that's the first way to get me to chuck it out or to lose my appetite so yeah i think it looks perfect so purdy so yes whether it's twitter or facebook we've got food we've got power of suggestion actually one guy said he's going to use this pregame snack for his football weekend trying to think what I'm going to make. I actually did put ground beef out for, for chili. So probably do that. I've got some apricot bars in my freezer that I could eat. That'd be delicious with vanilla ice cream. But what else do I want to eat? Maybe all the trimmings to go with my chili. That'll be fun for a divisional weekend. It's relatively easy. I can make it early and then have it the rest of the day, Saturday, Sunday. I'm trying to come up with something special for Super Bowl Sunday, which is the what saves me from being a very dull Amy uh, when it's work, 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 work. I want to have something fun to set up my Super Bowl Sunday <laughs> so that it's not all work and no play. I want to enjoy it too. And really having a special dish is the only way uh, that I can even be out of work mode for and just a, a, an hour or so. So I'm still thinking about food options. I know a lot of you have asked me either on Twitter or Facebook, part of Ask Amy Anything, what about food for Super Bowl Sunday? Every year we get to this point and I think, when was the last time I went to a party? It's been a while. I think the last Super Bowl party that I remember, well, the two that I remember that were so much fun. One was the first Patriots giant Super Bowl. I know it's a long time ago. I was already working in national radio, but I wasn't working Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> this where was I? I was in Connecticut because I was working at my previous network. We had so much fun. We were jumping up and down on couches because that game was 
phenomenal. Remember, it was the the only thing that stood in the way of the Patriots having a perfect season and, and winning the Super Bowl. So that first Giants pass Super Bowl, I was definitely at a party. That was amazing. I also went to a party for Cardinals Steelers Super Bowl, which was just as emotional and went down to the wire as well. And I can remember where I was. Why do not not remember the year? I'm going to have to look at the year for that one. Was that after? Okay, so so thank you, Producer Jay. That was the year after the Giants, he says. And that one was just as much fun. Uh, Not the same party, some of the same people, um, but that was also a blast. And I think that was the last time I had any fun. I mean, I'm being tongue-in-cheek. I love working on Super Bowl Sunday. I wouldn't trade it. It's a rite of passage now. Uh, every year as a sports talk show host, it's the biggest night of the year for those of us who work in the industry. And I love the fact that we get to do the official Super Bowl post-game show here on CBS Sports Radio. So I wouldn't trade it. But I'm thinking those were the last two Super Bowls where I had any fun. Well, attending the game in Houston in 2017, that was... That was unforgettable. That was the Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the collapse by the Falcons, the comeback by the Pats, the overtime. So, yeah, I'll call that a party as well. I really enjoyed that. It was a party with, I don't know, 80,000 of my closest friends uh, to be there. I wasn't in the press box. I was in overflow media. So I was directly above the Patriots sideline, about, I don't know, six sections. It was OMG. It was so un unforgettable, incredible, the atmosphere, what you see inside the stadium during a Super Bowl is so different than what you see on TV. Oh my gosh. I had a question and I I don't think producer Jay posed this to me. I think I went and I answered it on Facebook. What would you rather do? Attend a Super Bowl or a FIFA World Cup final? Someday I'd like to go back to another Super Bowl. Hope that I will get the opportunity. But since I've already been to one, and I don't know if it can be topped. (laughs) I'm not sure that one can be topped. Um, I I think I'd rather do FIFA World Cup final, especially if it was here in the United States coming up in three and a half years. That would be amazing. Uh, So, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of interest. Casual fans we know show up for the, the NFL playoffs where you don't get those fans during the year, which is why the numbers go up, 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 up. So just really quickly, I mentioned this earlier in the week, and then we'll get back to, we'll do a little more on Bengals and Bills here. Uh, But I did mention this earlier in the week. We had the playoff ratings for wildcard weekend. Uh, The highest rated was Vikings and Giants, which was north of 35 million. You also had 35 million at peak for Cowboys and Bucks. And then you had 33 million at peak for Bills and Dolphins. I'm I'm giving you the general numbers, general range. Those were actually down for the most part. Most of the wild card games you saw last weekend were down from the year before. However, coming up this weekend, you can expect numbers of upwards of 40 million and more. And then you get to championship weekend. Sometimes we've seen championship games go over 50 million in average viewership. I wanted to give you the numbers for the season just so you have kind of the lay of the land, the big picture, which is not necessarily the casual fans who know that it's playoff time and so they tune in. This is this is those of us who make it a habit, right? 2022-23 NFL season. With streaming, the average NFL game 
sucked in 16.7 million of us. So 16.7 million viewers, including the streaming numbers, on average for each NFL game this season. Now that's down from 17.1 million the year before. Do you know why it's down? Thursday Night Football was on Amazon Prime. They they know how to explain that. Uh, Thursday Night Football on Prime was actually below 10 million in viewership per game. But that makes perfect sense. It's their first time on streaming. People didn't know where to find it. And then there's a lot of people who don't have Amazon Prime. Okay, so that's why the number is down about 400,000 people per game on average. But the majority of the loss is on Thursday Night Football. So then consider these numbers. This is how you know. On CBS and Fox, these were the most watched regular season since 2016. So the numbers on the two networks that carry multiple games per week were up. CBS averaged 18 and a half million viewers per game. Do you know there isn't one other producer, one other network, one other show, one other genre that wouldn't take that per broadcast? It, the NFL dwarfs everything. 18 and a half million viewers per game for the CBS NFL games. And then on Fox, even higher, nearly 19.5 million viewers. So again, CBS and Fox, their most watched regular seasons since 2016. And while we're at it, Sunday Night Football and NBC, even though they changed broadcasters and, and kind of tinkered with that a little bit, 18.7 million viewers on average. These are still enormous numbers. And so you saw it jump from the regular season to the wild card round of the playoffs, roughly between 12 and 15 million viewers more from regular season to playoff round one. You can expect them to jump again coming up in round two. Ding, ding. You can hear the boxing. Ding, ding. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. I've been promising you those numbers all weekend. I certainly expect Bengals and Bills will have a ton of eyeballs on it. And it's the star power of the quarterbacks. It's the emotional component. It's the unfinished game from a couple weeks ago. It's the fact that you're talking about two juggernauts. Joe Burrow playing in the Super Bowl a year ago. He's got, he's got such a great personality. We already know this. Both these quarterbacks are unique. Um, they both bring a ton of talent and skills to the table. But I like to get to know them a little better. And, and we got to know Joe a bunch over the last year, right? Because of all the attention around Super Bowl. And now again, here they are. And he, as well as the rest of his locker room, sounds confident. They're going to try to play their game. They're going to try to dial it up. They did not have great success against the Ravens. Again, smash mouth defense. And what happened? The Ravens played the ball control game. Joe Burrow and his offense, they want to go deep. They want to be able to go chunk plays and gash that Buffalo D. You pick your spots to try to be, you know, play within the offense and, you know, take your completions and move the ball down the field. And then there's going to be situations where, Nothing's open, and you're going to have to make a play. And you just pick your spots and pick your moments that you that you can do that. And you think it's it's okay to do that. And you're in a, a spot in the game where maybe you're down a little bit and you need a spark. And so you try to make one of those plays that that you know you can. But for the most part, 
just play play the game the way it's supposed to be played, play within the game plan, and and you know that's why I have all the trust in in our coaches to to put together great game plans like they have since I've been here. You just execute it the way it's supposed to be, and the rest will take care of itself. They've done a good job. There's they've got a lot of depth at corner. A lot of guys have played in there. Um, their two linebackers are are as good as any group we've played, and um, just top to bottom, really good, well coached, smart defense. They don't they don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. Um, so you know you gotta you gotta take everything you can get when you play against them. Man, I hear Joe Burrow talk, and it just oozes confidence, not arrogance. Maybe he is arrogant. Maybe he's got a huge ego. I have no idea. I guess idea. I put the wrong one on. <laughs> but he doesn't come across that way. He just comes across so completely confident and comfortable in his own skin, even if he is wearing the wrong jersey. <laughs> so funny. That's got to be my, one of my favorite moments of the week. As for Josh Allen, he's the same way. Different game, of course. He's a He's a beast. He's a load. And he can hurt you in more ways than can Joe Burrow because of his legs, because of uh, the way that he can run, whether designed or whether just busting loose and stiff-arming guys. Buffalo defense, though. Do you give the Buffalo defense an edge? We've seen some big plays from the Bengals' D. They seem to come up with the big play, the takeaway, the sack when they most need it. They got a flair for the dramatic. Is the Buffalo D more solid? I mean, it's hard to say at this point because you're talking about two of the best offenses in the NFL in terms of how they can beat you, the variety of ways they can beat you, the explosiveness to these offenses. So, yeah, this is going to be amazing. You heard Joe Burrow talk about when you go deep, when you kind of dial it back, what you're looking for. Well, what about Josh Allen? He has the same opportunities, right, with guys like Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. Heck, Cole Beasley even caught a touchdown in their last playoff game. It's internal. You can have the, the offensive coordinator say something in the headset, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's the man in the arena. It's uh, you know the guy in the helmet that's got to make the decision. And um, Again, I, I don't want to put our team in bad situations. And um, you know, I just want to help this team win football games, and that's that's what I'm I'm paid to do is you know score touchdowns for this offense and and help us win games. Cannot wait! Going to be so exciting. All right, so game of the week. It's been a two horse race since we put up the poll on Twitter, Alaw Radio. Uh, the gap is closing, though. I wonder if that's because of the game I'm talking about. <laughs> so check it out on Twitter or on our Facebook page. Uh, we're excited for this weekend. I know you are too. We will be back here on Sunday night because that's what we do. Nobody can pry the time slot away from us unless, of course, it's our cold, dead, and by our, I mean mine. I don't, I don't wish cold, dead, clammy hands on producer Jay. Um, it just, you can't take it. It's ours. Oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> Take the poll. It's after hours. Take the poll or else. (laughs) It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. DeRozan. Against Stewart on a switch. Jump pass to a cutty. Derek Jones! Touches it down with a two-handed slam! Oh my goodness! Talk about two-hand slams, you alright? Yeah. <laughs> they go to Booch at a high post on the elbow. On the left wing to Levine. Levine comes up shooting three ball. Bam! Tech Levine 4-3. And for Levine, his second triple. 
And Zach has 28. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Okay, I got to tell you the truth. I did not know the NBA was playing a game in Paris, which was Thursday afternoon, our time, evening in Paris. And yet, come to find out, it was pretty star-studded. Lots of eyeballs uh, in Paris. Again, I I don't even know how I missed this. I'm so focused in on the NFL and, and football and all the craziness uh, with the teams that are not in the playoffs that that's probably why. But how cool is this? And it happens on the same day that the NFL unveils the list of teams that will be playing internationally come next season. So both London and Germany will host, uh, host games again The list is out there, and so you had various analysts and insiders trying to figure out which matchups we might see overseas, and people already making their travel plans, for heaven's sakes. Um, Well, they can't quite do that yet because we don't have dates, but it's it's pretty apparent that these are becoming high-profile opportunities for not just the teams, but the media to travel as well. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Zach Levine, as it turns out, had a great-grandfather who was French, 30 points. The Bills never trailed wire to wire against the Pistons in the NBA's Paris game on Thursday. DeMar DeRozan, he was showing off for the French fans. He had 26. And it was kind of a fun atmosphere. Different, of course. Uh, but there was also a 19-year-old French phenom, Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> I practiced it even. It just does not roll off the tongue. Wembanyama. I shouldn't try it again because if I the more I try it, the worse it's going to sound. Jay, do you want to? Go ahead. Oh, Victor Vandanyama. Yeah, that name's going to become a household name very quickly. Yeah, so he's expected to be potentially the overall number one pick. Um, and so he was there as well and more and more of an international flair for the NBA and its superstars. You think Luka Doncic and some of the others. And so um, th- this attempt to spread our game beyond our borders is certainly working when it comes to basketball. And and hockey has always been an international game. So, yeah, you had Magic Johnson. You had Ben Wallace, Tony Parker, uh, who's French. You you had a bunch of different WNBA players who were there as well. I even heard that there were Grammy winners and, and Formula One drivers. <laughs> it was a star-studded event in Paris. Uh, so, yeah, cool thing. Um I should have been paying more attention, so that is totally on me. Uh, But in addition to that, you had an opportunity for some fans, some new fans, to kind of get up close and personal with some of the stars of today's NBA, like this young French fan who was talking to Zach Levine. Je porte le numéro 8 quand je joue au basket avec mon club et parce que tu es mon idole et je voulais savoir pourquoi toi tu portes le numéro 8 et quelle était ton idole quand tu avais mon âge. So I'm wearing uh, number eight when I play with my team, and uh, why? Because you're my idol, and I'd like to know why you're number eight, and when you were young, who were you admiring? I appreciate it. First off, my man, um, why I wore number eight is because my idol was Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, so looking up to him, I wanted to do everything he did. Obviously, love the number. I wore 14 in high school because of my dad, and then got to the NBA and wanted to wear eight because of Kobe. So I looked up to Kobe and Michael, um, as a lot of kids growing up in the 90s did. And, um, you know, I always try to do everything he did, mindset-wise, hard work. Um, so being in a position where, you know, get somebody like you idolizing me, man, it's full circle. So I appreciate it. Huh. 
That's sweet. Good for Zach giving a full answer, giving an answer that this young fan uh, will never forget. And so kind of cool for them. Uh, In case you're keeping score at home, the NBA, which obviously has teams in Canada as well uh, as the United States, you add France, and now it's up to seven nations where the league has played or practiced this season. All right, so we had... Yeah, isn't that crazy? There were, remember the international trip? I don't remember where it went, but going back to training camp, like you had uh, teams that were playing preseason games. I think it was Japan. Okay, so we know that Mexico hosted a game last month, uh, San Antonio, Miami. The Heat, uh, I'd forgotten about this, had training camp in the Bahamas. Oh, Japan, yes, Golden State and Washington. Uh, And then Milwaukee and, and Atlanta, they played in the UAB, the United Arab Emirates. So the NBA is pushing this hard, as is the NFL. We don't get to keep our football to ourselves anymore, even though elsewhere in the world, their soccer, well, our our soccer, their football, everywhere I travel, they call it, especially in Hispanic countries, football Americano. It's American football. That's what it is. And yet uh, these owners... They're looking at the money stream, the financial stream. Certainly the commissioner is pushing it more and more. Uh, Jay and I were talking about it earlier on Thursday about the possibility that they potentially put an entire division overseas, which I think is ludicrous and completely changes the balance. My one hope is that Roger Goodell, the hill he's willing to die on is competitive playing field, is there cannot be competitive disadvantages. You don't mess up with the competitive balance of the NFL. That's how they continue uh, to keep you know so much intrigue, so much interest. Roughly half the playoff field turns over every year. And so if you put a division in Europe, you completely upset the competitive balance. He's got to know that. There's no way to do it without putting that entire division behind the eight ball uh, for you know, to so to speak. So I think it's a terrible idea. I hope they don't do it, but you can be sure they're investigating it. <laughs> it's time to have some fun. And they're going to get as close as they possibly can to doing that. I kind of feel like the next big domino would be a Super Bowl, and that would drive me insane. It would make me crazy. Would I boycott the Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> but that would make me really crazy. Good evening. Welcome, everybody. I would boo him. Yep. I would so boo him if the NFL ended up putting a Super Bowl. How about a playoff game? I'm just telling you, that could happen. Maybe you don't snatch the Super Bowl from the U.S., but that could happen. I I just, I mean, it would just be such a clear money grab, I think. Of course. When has the NFL ever showed you that it has a... A tendency toward any other top priority. No, it hasn't. That's definitely what they care most about. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That would just be such a slap in the face to American football fans. My play, say the New York Giants, my favorite team, wasn't like if their playoff game was home this weekend and they decided to play that game in Munich, Germany, just because they could sell more tickets. I, I don't know. I don't think that would fly well with the fan base. It's not so much more tickets. I mean, these are full stadiums. Or, it's it's about and and you don't you know you're taking a home game away from a team that earned it. So that's 
there's a challenge there, right? In the postseason, these teams get to host because of their seeds and their regular season records. But it's because if you introduce the game to more and more international fans, you are likely then to sell more jerseys and you're likely then to maybe potentially get more people streaming, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so it's more about that, tapping into that revenue stream. By the way, (laughs) this is kind of funny. Now, I understand why the NFL is doing this, but if you needed your Bengals to have any extra motivation, the NFL is already selling tickets to a possible Bills-Chiefs game in Atlanta. So we know Atlanta will host. I understand why they're doing it. You don't want to wait till the last second. You want fans to have the opportunity to purchase. And let's be fair. Playoff tickets are on sale for a lot of teams before they ever clinch the playoffs. Or they're on sale for the next round of the playoffs before they ever get there. That's how franchises have to do it. They have to make these tickets available um, because you can't just wait till the last second at least not to sell all of your tickets. (laughs) But it was making the rounds with the Cincinnati Bengals. And so they're all trying to say the right thing. Uh, But if you hear kind of the undertone with Mike Hilton, well, you know, they're obviously aware that this is happening and they'll try to make good use of it. We're in the division round of playoffs, you know. We're close to our Super Bowl um, dreams, and that, that's the only field we'll need, you know what I mean? If you can't get excited for a playoff game against this type of opponent, you know, uh, you're playing the wrong sport. So we see it, but we don't need any more motivation. No, at this point, you don't need it, but... We see it, but... Chip, chip on our shoulder, we'll take it. You don't need it. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Can't wait. Let's see. Jay and I went back and forth. We think we're going to go Philadelphia next. So Giants and Eagles, a rematch of a rematch three times in six weeks. Do you think they're sick of each other yet? I think that they probably are, but this is the big one. So we'll preview that divisional game. Have you seen the poll? It's up on Twitter, A-Law Radio, or our show Twitter on Facebook to... Oh, heavens to Betsy, it's a dead heat. No joke, it's a dead heat now between the top two games. There were about 10 percentage points separating these two. Maybe it's because the East Coast crowd is now waking up and perusing or because we just spent so much time talking about Bills and Bengals. But it went from being about a 10-point difference uh, between our front runner and our second most popular game, and now it's a dead heat. So vote, vote, vote. Poor Jags and Chiefs. I told you. Did I tell you the Chiefs are flying under the radar? It's crazy. They're 14-3. and They've gone to four straight AFC championship games, and somehow they're flying under the radar. No respect. Put some respect on their name. Oh, that sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. It's way too cool for me. Here's our latest. It's it's way too hip for me. (laughs) You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. The New York Giants. Jones over center this time. Rita in the right, left slot, goes in motion. Toss left for Barkley, gets a block. Barkley to the 25. Barkley to the left sideline, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Giants. Saquon Barkley on a 28-yard burst. The Philadelphia Eagles.
It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody. On After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. We're going to give producer Jay another shot at that. Because, you know, even the best every now and then will have a, a brief, very, very brief brain fart. And somehow producer Jay uh, misfired there. So why don't we try that again? Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, he's still not ready. He's like, no, 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 no. What happened in there? What, what's going on with you? Is something on fire? Did you get some popcorn stuck on the board? The burnt popcorn's got to me. It's not burnt popcorn. Knock it off. Never mind. Now, I don't care if you make a mistake and you get exposed because you just mislabeled and gave people the misconception that my popcorn was burnt. Uh, I'm pretty sure you ate it all. Did you not? No, it was very much not burnt. It was actually pretty perfectly crisped, if I will. Crisped? Crisped, popped, puffed. Crisped? (laughs) It works. No one's ever said that before about popcorn, ever. Are you ready yet? I only have so much time. How can you... Okay. Is it because the Eagles didn't play last weekend? It's because you're a a Giants fan? See, I kind of feel like that's the problem. Jay's a Giants fan, and he does not want us to hear an Eagles highlight. Not it at all. My Eagles highlight I mean, I don't know. I just... I'm a little bit nervous. Like, you haven't messed up, quote unquote, on any other team's highlights. So why the why the Eagles? How come all of a sudden you can't find an Eagles highlight in there? It they only fit. won 14 games this season. How is it possible? They beat your team the last time they played. So how is it possible that you can't find me a Jalen Hurts touchdown pass? It is fishy, I will say. But mm-hmm. I had thought I had one on deck here ready to go with like the other teams. I have none, you know, nothing against the Eagles here. They're had a great season, He's lying. <laughs> but my highlight has just vanished on me. So I'm just searching the depths of this uh, system to try to relocate it. It shouldn't require the depths. They just beat the Giants two weeks ago. Yeah, our our system here. Okay, went never after mind. Two weeks. N- nobody yeah. ca- nobody yeah. cares about your technical talk. I don't believe it for a second. It's the last time that I feed you popcorn and give you just kind of this big head where you think you can screw with the radio show and not play an Eagles highlight because you don't like them. Nope. Never happening again. Uh, By the way, as we're talking about our game of the week, neck and neck, the Bengals and Bills have pulled in front. The more I talk about it, the more it's happening. Was that thumbs up because the Bengals and Bills have pulled in front or because you found an Eagles highlight? I feel like it's too late for you. It's too late to redeem Double tight end. Motion. Got it. Comes back to the near side. Shotgun. Hurts. Gets it off to Scott. Up the middle. Touchdown! Boston Scott. The giant killer (laughs) does it again. I even added the giant killer. You added that? No, Meryl Reese added that, you goofball. Stop talking. You are. No, you're burying yourself. First of all, uh, that might be a nightmare for you because Boston Scott definitely does score and score again against the Giants. But also. I mean, I feel like you've done, you've tried to derail this segment on purpose because you know what's coming. No, absolutely not. The Giants have just as good a chance as at beating them as they do losing. Hmm. You're not trying to put a curse on them or anything by not playing their highlights? No. The highlight was played. The Giant Killer, Boston Scott. He's there. How did the Giants have highlights ready but not the Eagles? More readily accessible. Jay's just making stuff up now. Just... To, 
I've, I've never known him to mess up like this. It's such a dink that it happens with the Philadelphia Eagles the week that the Giants are trying to unseat them as the top seed. It's after hours. I mean, he never makes mistakes like that. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence. I don't know who that guy is. Who are you and what have you done with producer Jay? Which is just wrong. Okay, well, let's talk about the game anyway, even though Jay would prefer that we only talk about the Giants. By the way, Bob Papa is the play-by-play voice of the Giants. And actually, he sat down with Xavier McKinney this week. What about this potential to upset not only the top seed, but the East Division winner, a team that's gone 2-0 against New York this year? It's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, You know, this team... You know, has a lot of talent, um, and then obviously they got a great quarterback as well, so who can do a lot of things. Um, so um, it's going to be challenging for us. We go into it with that same dog mentality. Uh, you know, we're trying to win. Uh, obviously, you know, when you lose and, and you know, in the playoffs, it's, it's over. So we know what's at stake. Uh, we know what we got to do. So uh, we're just going to go out there and, and, and you know, execute that uh, come Saturday. Xavier McKinney, the safety, along with Bob Papa. It's going to be a challenge, of course, but the thing is, there's no, there's even less of a margin for error when you are in a division game because everything else goes out the window. History does not matter when it comes to division games. And this is super cool, I think. One of the best storylines of the NFL this season is how the NFC Beast went from the worst division in football to the best with three teams still alive three out of four, to get to the Super Bowl uh, to represent the NFC. Brian Dayball, first-timer in the NFC East. Yeah, this is my first uh, first year in it, and you know, there are a lot of good football teams in the league. Everyone's good, and certainly we have um, a lot of good teams in our division. Um, a lot of talented players, good coaches. Uh, teams that are here at this time of year are the teams that earn it. It was against the Giants going back to, what was it, week 14, when the Eagles clinched their second straight playoff trip, their fifth and sixth years. Uh, and that was at the lowest point of the Giants' season. They had just a single win in a six-game stretch there. But they were able to turn it around. They were able to clinch a playoff spot. And to me, they're playing their best football right now, seeing what they did against the Vikings. It was a complete game offensively. Uh, defensively, there were a lot of points allowed. But still, uh, that defense has been pretty good all year long. As for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is back. And this is what they played for all year. It's why he played in week 18 so that they would have the bye and the home field for this week. We know that we put ourselves in this position by what we did all season. Um, the consistency we had all season, the um, the focus we had all season, you know, the preparation and the work we put in all season and before the season started in the offseason. So you know, I, I don't think anything changes in terms of the process. You're hoping that you continue, you're continuing to rise your level of play. And I know that, you know, well, hey, we didn't play our best game versus New Orleans. And, and uh, you know, we lost to Dallas, um, you know, and then, you know, perceived we didn't play our best game versus the Giants as well. Um, and so, but you, but, you, but you don't, what results happen on the field and the way the game turns out doesn't mean you're necessarily not growing also, though. So uh, we feel like we've just continued to get better. I, don't wanna, I wouldn't say, hey, we go back. Just like we don't go back and dwell on a loss, we don't go back and dwell on a win. We just try to keep moving forward. 
It's kind of interesting symmetry here because Nick Sirianni had his first year in the NFC East last season when the Eagles were a surprise wild card. Now they're the big dog in that division. Uh, New York coming off its first playoff win since their 11 Super Bowl. And here they are a step away from getting to the NFC Championship. Got to hear from Jason, uh, Jason Kelsey, of course, because the Kelsey brothers rock. Um, they're not expecting anything less than the Giants' best. They've been a great team all year. Um, you know, they have great players on defense, especially up front. Uh, you're not going to see much of a better interior D-line than with those two guys right there. Um, and then, you know, I think offensively, um, they've been coming along. They've been getting better and better. Uh, Daniel Jones probably put together maybe his best game of the season. Boom! Um, but they've been trending this way. And um, I don't think it's surprising. Uh, you know, when you get into the playoffs, you generally tend to see good teams. And... Um, you know, we're going to play a really good one this week. I'll give you one chance to apologize for disrespecting the Eagles. I think it might blow up in your face, Producer Jay. I, I will apologize not to the Eagles, to the listeners, but no, not to the Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles are a load. They were top 10 in passing yards. And they were also top five in rushing yards. They averaged a lot of damn yards. Uh, they were 28 points per game uh, during the regular season. Now the Giants as you hear Jason Kelsey say, are getting better offensively, and that's what you want to do. But Nick Sirianni says, hey, the Eagles haven't even peaked. And honestly, while I don't know that I agree with the fact that they haven't peaked, they haven't played their best football, I will say they're coming off a stretch when they didn't play their best. Jalen Hurts was out. Their offense sputtered. They were really conservative last week. So this is a clash of the NFC East Titans, baby. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.